Welcome to the Passion Business Podcast, the podcast for free spirits with a big idea who want to turn their passion into a business. I'm Anke Herman, and I'm your host. We're all born with a song in our heart. That's how today's guest, Jeffrey Flack, opened our conversation. He's an author, and he's a leadership consultant in the healthcare sector. And he's on a mission to help transform the U.S. healthcare system. In our conversation, he shares his tough and at the same time inspiring journey from first hearing the song in his heart through all the years of ignoring it to singing it out loud now. If you've ever worked in a professional environment that wasn't really your thing, this episode's for you. Enjoy. As always, if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, review and share. Hello and good morning, Jeffrey. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here, bright and early. <laughs> bright and early. So yeah, let's dive just straight in. Where are you based and what's your business? I'm based in central Illinois in the U.S. And my business is uh, transforming healthcare leadership. And that might sound confusing. It's um, usually I get, what is that? mean when I when I tell people what I do and it and it's teaching leadership in healthcare settings and th there's a there's a huge need for it um, I found that uh, just because you're the best nurse or you're the best physician or you're the best therapist doesn't mean you're going to be the best leader and a lot of times that's what happens in healthcare is they're promoted to this leadership position and they're like Well, I know how to do nursing. I know how to do therapy. But now what am I going to do? How do I manage people? And that's where I come in. Oh, they are. Yeah. My mom's a nurse. And she, she then got promoted to be the head nurse. Yeah. I can absolutely see that. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen it. I've seen it in, in software development as well. You And it's pretty extreme there because often the best programmers aren't you know, necessarily the best natural leaders. You know, and there's this big gap. And there's even this, have you, do, do you know the cartoon series Dilbert? I don't know whether that's still around, but there was this cartoon where it's oh. basically like you get, you get promoted to the highest level of incompetence. You know? <laughs> that's right. That's right. You reach your ceiling of incompetence, so. Um, that's very true. And that's a good point in leadership development. Either um, you're improving yourself or you're going to be um, passed by change. In this ever-developing world, this world economy, change happens a lot faster than, than we're used to. It's not a decade anymore. T your typical... Uh, bachelor's degree is going to be outdated within five years so you need to constantly be learning new material what's happening in your industry what's happening in the world and what's ha happening with your competition yeah and the people so skills i think that gets more and more important when when more and more mechanical tasks you know are being taken over by tools i think Ebbs. yeah So Absolutely. how how did you get into that? It's really not a straight line, and it's um, 
Uh, boy, I think we're all all born with a, a song in our heart. And, and mine is always, I've always had a song to be on stage. And I don't know what platform it was going to be in when I was a kid. I practiced that I was a, a DJ. I practiced that I was performing comedy on stage. And my father, you know, you, you, you get told these, uh, all these rules um, from life experiences that, well, that sounds like fun, but that's not realistic. You need a job that's going to pay the bills, that you can support a family, you can support yourself, and you can, t can continue to grow. And um, that didn't sit well with me with the child. And then I, I um, started, my dad was very successful in business. So I started practicing as a little kid that I had my own business. And that made a lot of sense to me to have my own, my own business. And, and I would carry around a briefcase and, and he would tell me, now you don't want to be in sales because it's such a difficult, um, challenging profession and you're a very bright young man and you're good at science, you should go into the, the medical field. So I'm thinking, and I did enjoy science. I love science. I love natural science. I love how the world works. I love how, um, you know, how we can go to Mars and, 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 and the rover can manipulate and take pictures. I mean, all that is fascinating to me, you know. And I was good at it, but it really wasn't my passion. Mm -hmm. So I, I studied um, biology, and really I studied more um, in, in college. I, my undergrad, I really studied more beer and women than <laughs> so, But I, 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 did, I did study science, and um, my, my senior year in, in college, it, this is before computers obviously when you're when you're signing up for classes we actually had to fill out pieces of paper and hand them to um people to to sign and then they would let us in the class and they let me in this physical therapy class which i never should have been in <clears throat> and I, i'm sitting in this class and it's about the human body and how you and i was always into fitness how you can help the human body and I'm like, wow, this is interesting. But all these people know each other and I'm way behind them. So I went up to the professor and he, I go, I don't really know what you're talking about. And everybody seems to know each other. And he goes, well, do you like it? And I go, yeah, it's interesting. He goes, well, why don't you apply and see if you can get in? And I did. And I, I got into therapy really by accident because I was studying genetics and biology. So as I followed that route, my true passion still was coming out. I was more interested in working with the board and, and how the organization worked and, and how we could grow in the community and help the community. So I, through my career, I kept getting on boards and interdepartmental um, <clears throat> um, meetings in, in how to improve the hospital's setting. And, and through that, I furthered my education in business, and um, I actually got out of healthcare there for a while because I thought that what what would make me happy is making a lot of money. So I became a financial advisor, and um, for for a very large, successful corporation that's 
in business today and I, you know they only accept one percent of the people that apply so i felt very proud about that mm-hmm. and I, I i still wanted to impress my father because he was always so successful at what he did so i wanted to prove to him that i could be successful as well and it it really wasn't my lane though i was mm-hmm. a broke financial advisor and i actually um would not give up and I became homeless at that point and I was living out of my my car I had expensive fancy suits and I was going to work but it was a facade I felt like such a fake you know trying to sell financial products and I'm broke and at that point I I really felt hopeless and one day in Pennsylvania, I was driving down the road and I saw a semi truck and I felt that my life had no purpose. I was doing nothing that I wanted. And in that split instant, I saw that semi and I, I went to pull underneath it and there was a, there was a tire holder and I hit that and I didn't go underneath the semi except the back tire ran over my car. It was a God smack. And God said, Oh, you're not done yet. And I'm at that point. And I was what I can't even, you know, in my life, I'm, I'm so worthless. And I I felt totally worthless. (laughs) But the, the good thing that came of it is that, um, I totaled my car and I couldn't make the car payment. So at least my insurance paid for the car. So I didn't have that debt. And um, I'm walking around Pennsylvania and pushing a cart thinking that I didn't look homeless because I had all these expensive suits in it. And this young man came up to me and gave me a $5 bill and said, let God save you. God bless you. And, And I just, broke into tears and I said, this isn't, this isn't my life. This isn't, you know, I need to find my purpose. And, and I finally went back home with my parents. I was so humbled at that point. And I started listening to John Maxwell tapes on leadership. And that passion was still within me, but I was so broken at that point mentally physically financially that i just had a just a little tiny spark of it um inside of me to keep going and but i knew that it wasn't just money driven mm-hmm. i knew that it wasn't just physical therapy that i wanted to do it was a poor old me syndrome at that point so i started climbing out and i humbled myself and i you know i have a bachelor's degree at that time and and management and leadership. And here I am serving at a Mexican restaurant and I, and it mentally, it, it messed with me, but I was making money and um, I went back to school and, and got a master's degree in business and organizational development. And I, I started working back in healthcare and, and became a director in different positions. But again, as I, as I climbed up the ladder, that voice inside me, that passion inside me was telling me that healthcare is broken and, and I need to fix this. And it, it, it sounds like grandiose ideations probably to people on the outside, but I really feel that 
that my purpose is to help change healthcare in the U.S. It's people are not widgets, and it's managed um, healthcare. Ninety-five or ninety-nine percent, I believe, of CEOs are MBAs. Only one, one to five percent are actually physicians or healthcare providers and um, hospitals in the U.S. 250,000 people die unnecessarily on an annual basis because we don't communicate. And the reason we don't communicate is because of the metrics. Once you have a metric, that's the result you're going to get. The metrics are about productivity and profitability. Unless you're working, have the fortune of working for Mayo Clinic and it's their, their metrics are all different. It's about research and being the best medical provider in the world. <clears throat> and they're not for profit. But even when you're non for profit, you got to keep making a profit or you go out of business. Unfortunately, because the metric is about, and it's metric of the month, sometimes it's, um, oh, we have to address pain because that's what Medicare is looking at. So everybody's running around making sure nobody has pain. And um, then it's, it's double speak because they, they tell you, you have to address pain, but you also have to make sure that the call lights are being answered. Um, and also you have to be 75% productive in a hospital. Now, if I'm, I'm a therapist and I'm answering call lights. So I get down that call light times. So that metric looks better on the spreadsheet. I'm answering that call light, but my productivity's decreased. So then I get a meeting with, with my manager that you're not being productive enough. And if I say, but you want, but you want me to answer the call light. Well, I do, but what you need to meet this metric. It's, it's all upside down. It's about profitability. It's about <laughs> Medicare wants you to meet these certain metrics. You have to have nobody readmitted within 30 days or you're um, liable for their, their hospital stay. So if they come back in um, before 30 days, then the hospital is going to be liable for, for that stay. So what the hospitals are trying to do is not admit them. What they do is they, they make them, an, it's called an observation. However, the patient's put on a floor in a nice bed, and they have a call light, and they think they're admitted, <clears throat> and they're not. They're That's not. incredible. So, That's yeah, you can see how that how that's such a like it makes it almost impossible for people to actually do what they're supposed to do. It's funny when you when I'm listening to you, it's it's it brings up this this sort of rebellious like that can't be right because like I grew up in East Germany and that uh -huh. system had a lot of flaws, but one of the things that I grew up thinking it was normal and that I'm now seeing it isn't, especially listening to you, is that 
healthcare and education as well, but like healthcare had nothing to do with money. Right. It wasn't run as something, it was just like an, a government service, you know, right. and, and that whole idea of having healthcare run like a business, I always find it has this, it has, it basically provokes all these issues that you're talking about. And from the patient's point of view, like if I go to the doctor, there's always that trust issue in the sense that there's always, I, I always see there's a conflict of interest here. So I can't ever really trust that a treatment I'm proposed or I'm offered that that's actually in my best interest or whether that's just because the insurance company won't pay for it or some, you know, whatever, they have a deal to kind of promote the other thing or all the things that you just mentioned. I think it's it's so, yeah, upside down from from so many different angles. Now, I can feel the passion that you have for that. What I'm curious about is it seems like, you standing there in front of this huge mountain. Mm -hmm. yeah. How, how, how do you, you know, like taking on like a whole system that is obviously supported by lots of people with a lot of interests and a lot of money. How do you go about initiating change there? That's a great question. And, and, it starts from the top. It's um, it's interviewing. It's looking at companies that their metrics are not good, and either cold calling them or finding a way to uh, meet them through networking, um, because all that information is public. And if a healthcare uh, provider is getting one star out of five. Obviously, their metrics are mis mixed up. They're they're either the old um, carrot and stick type of management, or it's um, so messed up that people are cynical and, and and will not share information. They will not help others. They're worried about being productive themselves and saving their skin, so they don't work together well as an organization. So that's a perfect opportunity for a consultant like myself to come in and, and start working in that facility if they're acceptable to it. And I'm, I'm starting with, um, I've been successful with mentoring CEOs. I've been successful on like engagement, which makes the whole organization. When, when you get people engaged and, it makes the whole organization a better place to be a patient, a better place to work in a more profitable facility. If everybody's working together and feels safe, the key thing is trust. They'll work together and they'll, they'll want to know what's going on with the patient. And just like you said, there are conflicts of interest. There's, it's been, it's becoming common conversation to say that well you're going to have to go home friday because your insurance said so and it's accept accepted 
by the patient and accepted by the physician and accepted by the therapist and the nurse. And it's, it's counterintuitive that these highly educated people would even agree to, to this, this type of speak, this double speak. We're here to provide the best care unless your insurance says we can't. Then we're sending you home. That's incredible. And as a patient, what do I do? It's like, well, I'm not wealthy enough to pay out of pocket, so I guess I'll go home even though I can't walk very well and I still might fall and I don't understand how my my wound pump works and you know there's there's all these different situations scenarios that are are pathetic and it's and it's causing more cost yeah. um, in the healthcare system it's causing it's like seven 747s crashing each week people dying because the doctor didn't have time to tell the nurse that he changed an order the nurse didn't look because she's so busy and you know they get the wrong meds or something has changed you know medically and we don't find out as therapists so we're pushing them and then they're having a cardiac arrest and it's 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 really it's not on purpose yeah but but you're still responsible be, because you knew and the shoulds are going to start to be investigated, you know, as, as we look at these cases, case by case. Um, so your question is, how do I, I change this mountain? And it's, it's one organization at a time and it's networking with other healthcare leadership professionals mm-hmm. to, to get it, get the word out. And as, as people see change, the whole system will change. And as patients get more educated, they're going to start being more of a patient advocate than they have to. Um, if you don't have an advocate now, you can get through that system and, and, and not so beneficially, especially if you're uneducated. I have a, have a challenge myself and I have, you know, a master's degree in it. But but when you're a patient, you're really at the mercy of who, who who's treating you. Yeah, and and on top of it, you have this sort of this stresses of. I didn't even know that patient advocates existed until fairly recently, where where I don't know came across somebody on online and really brought sort of to the awareness the issue that when you're diagnosed with something that is beyond the cold or something. Like now, let's say do you get told you got cancer. There's usually the, the, the next half hour, you don't register anything. Right. You know, you, you don't, you're not even like your mind is elsewhere. It's like, you know, what's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to my family? And, you know, like it, how much time, and all the while they're probably telling you treatment options and then, you know, you have to make a decision. And there's just, and it's, we're treating with people's health. You know, it's not just what model card you get. You know, it's it's um it's such a it's such an important topic. What's your take on on the medical system in a sense that it seems to be 
managing illness instead that's, of promoting health. Yeah, that that that's a big change um, that we're pushing in medicine it, from the top, from the physician training. It, they kind of make a joke about it, though, because it, the physicians might have a day course on on wellness and then the rest of their uh, medical studies are about treating illness and that that definitely has to shift that's definitely better in europe than it is in the u.s um, because we treat illness hmm. and if you look at europeans statistically they promote wellness and it, you know i don't know what the obesity in um, percentages in Germany, but it's increasing about 10% a decade in the U.S. And it, all you have to do is go to the U.S. beaches and see that obesity is, is the norm. And that's the leading cause of diabetes, yeah. cardiac problems, um, degenerative joint disease. The list goes on and on. Allergies, asthma. And it's... Um, we have to promote wellness. It's being taught in the medical schools. It's being taught in the therapy schools. As far as nursing, I'd, I'm not aware of that criteria. But that change is occurring slowly. But there's also, the, 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 I think the problem is that it isn't just the, the medical industry. I think it's the whole nutrition industry that plays to that. Because that's something that I remember the first time I went to the States, like, I don't know, probably 25 years ago. And I was really like shocked <laughs> walking through a supermarket. And I'm, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like that's, that information is 20 years old. So that might, it might have changed since then, but it was really, I thought, well, if you, or like a food court as well, like, okay, if I'm looking for healthy food, it's not that easy. You know, I guess it also depends on like if you go to L.A. where everybody's into fitness, it's probably really easy. But then if you're in the middle of, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere and it's all packaged, it's all full of chemicals. And even if you tried to 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 feed yourself in a healthy way, it's not that easy. I mean, it's in a way it's here as well. It's like you take any product in a supermarket and you read the labels. You know, there's. It, it's hard to find one where it's just like one ingredient. You know, there is almond milk and that's basically sugar water with 2% of almond something, you know? And, <laughs> and I think that's where it even starts. That's why there's this like the sense that, Oh God, you know, taking on that actually effect, affecting change. It's this huge mammoth project. Tell me about the book. Oh, the book. the book. The Rich Code. I, I was um, approached by uh, Jim Britt. He is a uh, world-renowned speaker. He worked with Jim Rohn. Uh, he was a mentor to Tony Robbins and also uh, <clears throat> Joel Sacida, who is an internet guru. The book is about – it's a – conglomeration of of entrepreneurs that wrote different chapters on different subjects on entrepreneurship and my specific 
uh, chapter is on leadership. Mm-hmm. Part of it is how I got there. And the other part are the qualities of, of leaders. And the website will be on Facebook. It'll be called Cracking the Rich Code. Um, Kevin Harrington is, is on the project. He was one of the original sharks on Shark Tank. And he's very knowledgeable. He's a $5 billion man, which is, he knows how to run businesses, how to start businesses. He sees opportunities and he helps to teach people how to grow their business. Um, and that's, that's what the book is about. And it's been a great, great learning experience talking to these, these um, dinosaurs in the business industry and, and just being able to pick their brain on podcasts like this one-on-one. It, it's been fantastic. And uh, the book's taken a little bit longer than I had expected, which is, which is okay. There's a learning curve there, but I think we are, we're getting it finalized soon and it should be uh, in production soon. Fabulous. Is that, that feels like it's such a perfect step in, 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 in your journey because it, yeah. it, it feels like, oh, he's got his stage now. Oh, yeah. A- absolutely. They, um, they're going around the United States Kevin Harrington and other speakers, uh, Jim Britt, and we have the opportunity as co-authors to go to these events and, and network with the entrepreneurs for free. And um, we also are going to have opportunities to perform on stage. And if you perform well, there's more opportunities. So I can get the message out. That's my goal is to get up on stage and, and get that message out on, on leadership and healthcare. Oh, I just love that. How when like there was the very first thing you said, you know, there was this you saw yourself on stage and and now you're there. Yeah, it's it's coming full circle. And, you know, the old saying that um, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher appears and I've done all this legwork in healthcare. I've done all this legwork in business and finance. And all of a sudden I can, I have all this diversity of knowledge and it's just all coming, coming to fruition. And it's, it's been a fantastic journey. I'm excited about it and it's, I'm ready to make a change. That's awesome. So where can people go find out about what's, what's going on? You can look up Jeffrey Flack on LinkedIn or work with jeffreyflack.com my webpage if you, you can go to jeffrey flack inc on facebook um and cracking the rich code is going to have its own website on facebook as they're going to have there's already been interviews on the authors including myself and those interviews are available on facebook um they're also available on on my facebook webpage um and if you you put in my name usually i come up as the first person on linkedin so you can find me on linkedin first so fabulous i'm gonna be obviously putting all the links on in the show notes but always like people saying it for those who just listen on the go so that's that's wonderful well thank you so much there was such an inspiring 
conversation. I'm going to kind of have this in my mind for the rest of the day. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was and a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll speak to you soon. And I'm going to watch out for that book. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Passion Business Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next one.